Hello everybody, I'm Chloe Maidley and welcome back to the podcast. On this podcast, I speak to professional athletes, coaches, physique competitors, dietitians, nutritionists, and leaders in the field of health and fitness from all over the world. Thank you so much for joining me and I hope you enjoy today's episode. If you're new to the podcast, make sure you like, subscribe, review, and leave a comment to let others know about everything we've talked about. And don't forget to follow me on Instagram where I'll announce what's coming up on the podcast and other great content too. I'm at Maidly Chloe. Thank you so much. Let's get started. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the podcast. Today, once again, I am joined by my EC Method co-coach, Emma. And this week, I asked our EC Method graduates. Graduates are basically our long-term return clients who we are lucky enough to have a fair few of at this point. And I asked them to answer three questions for me for the purpose of this podcast. One of them was something that they've learned from the EC Method that has surprised them. The second was a question that they think a newbie joining or a potential newbie joining might want to know or should probably know before they start. And the third thing was a question that they, as a grad, want to know presently, because I felt a bit bad leaving them out. I was like, you guys can ask something too. So we're going to get into it. But before we start, Emma, welcome back. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very happy to be back. I was just at the gym with one of my friends and I was like, oh, I'm doing like closed podcast today. And every year when we do this, it makes me quite nostalgic. So I'm like, oh, I just remember doing the first one and when we first met. Four years ago. And I reckon this is your fifth time yeah yeah I mean I guess so how many EC method podcasts have we done now maybe close to 140 do you know what I find amazing is that all of our clients like the grads go back and listen to the very first episodes I'm like first of all there's like hundreds of episodes and second of all I'm like how do you have the patience to do that because I won't lie there are certain I would say at the beginning of every round of the EC method, the podcasts are a carbon copy even now of what they were at the beginning because everyone always has the same questions that they want answered. And I don't know how they do it. <laughs> Me neither. Although I do think that we often answer things in slightly different ways. And like we try to do that, right? Because saying yeah. the same thing again and again, if it's not resonating with someone, isn't useful. So I think a lot of the time reassurance is so important. It's probably the most underrated thing as a coach, right? That 100%. They, maybe they do need to hear again that increasing calories is okay in a slightly different wording that they haven't heard for, I don't know, a couple of months because they've gone back and listened to old ones. But yeah, it does always amaze me. And then like, because the EC method is relatively new, I'm not freaking out about it. But in a couple of years, I imagine we'll be like, please don't go back and listen to that. (laughs) We've learned so much since then. We've learned, you learned so much, not only like, and I think Dr. Mike did a really great post on on vaccines on his page. And he was talking about, you know, the fact that science is always evolving and you've got to evolve with it or you're going to get stuck and you're not going to progress. And and it's the same with coaching in, in different contexts. You know, first of all, the science, you know, what we know changes. There are things that I, you know, all the all the data and all the all the studies that we had available to us, you know, a couple of years ago pointed in, say, the direction of retaining more lean muscle mass if you had diet breaks. And I was very much like, well, why not? If you're if you're in a long-term dieting phase and, and the goal is real physique, let's throw in some diet breaks to retain muscle mass. And then obviously, you know, was it the ice cap trial came out maybe a year ago, a year and a half ago? And that just kind of blew, you know, the previous studies, which were all done on an an obesogenic population out the water for our community. And I was like, okay, and you have to change what you're thinking. And, you know, I I think there are, we talk about this a lot. There are some dogmatic coaches out there who just because of pride will be like, no, I'm sticking to my guns. And it's like, "Mm, okay, it's not, not the best thing to do. But also like when you think about like, 
the way that we treat our clients and the things that you learn from your clients with every round, you know, the carrot or the stick approach, and there's so much more nuance in between those two, you do become a better coach on, on that kind of personal level. Yeah, I think especially with the grads, now that we know a lot of them as people and individuals, we know that most people do need the carrot and the stick approach at different times. Yeah. And yeah. when you get to know someone and when you've coached them for a while, you kind of know when they need a bit of kick up the bum and when they need to chill out a little bit. 100%. And I think those are also traps that we've fallen into time and time again. And it's taken us years to get to the point where, where we're both at now. I mean, you're in the best physique shape I think you've ever been in. Even, you know, what? I, I was going to ask you this, but I don't want to get too distracted because I do want to get to the questions. But I don't want to talk all about me, but <laughs> go ahead. I don't want to talk all about Emma's amazing physique. Emma's always ha- been in fantastic shape. There was a period, obviously, where, where you were quite injured, where you you were still in fantastic shape but you know you definitely weren't in the kind of shape you're in now I was going to say to you it's amazing to me that you you went to Mexico for however long you went like two months and came back in even better shape than when you left and I was like not many people can say that and I don't and that is actually funnily enough a result of Emma having much more balance which I think a lot of people would be really surprised to hear that um then I then you know I think you've ever had before and I think even me you know I'm learning how to be I'm not in anywhere near the kind of shape that you're in but I'm very happy with my physique right now and I also have a very nice happy life balance and that takes so much time yeah and I think it your life balance or like more more to the point your physique is a byproduct of your life balance Mm -hmm. and I always say this, but like restriction is perceived. So for some people, if they like, if I put them in my shoes for a day, they'd be like, this is really restrictive to me. Or this seems like a lot of walking or a lot of exercise or a lot of work. But for other people, it doesn't. And for me, like, it's how I enjoy living my life. And that, like the way that I look is a byproduct of that as opposed to a means to an end. And I think when you take, we've probably been through this, but when you take the focus away from relatively short term goals, and instead think, okay, what are my like big overarching life values here and what's important to me? And you live in line with those, it, like things just kind of fall into place and it takes the pressure off these goals. And I think one of the problems with the goals is that you reach them and then you feel a little bit lost. Yeah. Like, oh, I wanted to be in now X what? shape for a photo shoot or it was an eight week challenge or I wanted to fit in this dress or I had a wedding or you know whatever it was you reach that goal and then you're like, well, what do I do now? And now I've Mm -hmm. lost motivation. Whereas Mm -hmm. if you're always, let's say that one of your values is health, like one of mine is health. If you're always living in line with that, then you'll always do the behaviors that are in line with that as opposed to doing the behaviors that are in line with your goal at the time, which is kind of finite. And I think that's been a big sort of mindset shift for me that there isn't an end point here, Mm -hmm. that it's just the way that you live. It's amazing. You just said two things. Well, three, I guess mindset shift you know not seeing it as a means to an end and switching your focus from like an end goal to health and I'm halfway through writing an Instagram post I'm going to put up later and there's actually a question in here I've only skim read them where we can really delve into that and I think it's such a liberating thing when clients and even us like Emma just said when we finally got there and you're like oh actually there's a much easier, more enjoyable and actually more effective way of doing this in terms of, I think a lot of the time people think, oh, if I change my mindset shift from how I look to health, then the result I'm going to get at the end of how I look is going to be like a bit subpar. No, on the contrary, my friend, the result you're going to get in the end about how you look and then actually being able to maintain it going forward is going to be astronomically better than at doing this constant yo-yo of like, 
trying, 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 not quite getting there because it's so hard, starting back from square one and round and round you go on this hamster wheel. When you get the revelation of, of being able to have this mindset shift that we're talking about and we will delve into it further, you really do get there in the end and you enjoy it. It's not difficult. And then you maintain it. It's fantastic. And yeah, we can, we can delve into all of that. Yeah. I think the mindset shift is the most important part and it's hard to talk about because it's so new, like there's so much to it. Mm-hmm. But if you come in and a lot of people do start dieting, almost trying to like hate themselves into change, not only is that massively unenjoyable and, and really if you're going a little bit woo woo, but <laughs> what's the point in achieving anything if it's unenjoyable? Like there isn't any point, like you have to enjoy it to an extent, like you'll get there and you'll still be unhappy because you've struggled to get there and you've not enjoyed the process. Yeah. And part of that isn't necessarily changing your calorie target or changing the amount of workouts you do. Like the actions might be exactly the same, but your mindset coming into it and the way that you perceive them is completely different. So for some people, I don't know, 1600 calories might be really restrictive and for other people it's not, and it might not have anything to do with their physiology or how many calories they quote unquote need or the size of deficit they're in, but it's their perception of what's restrictive and what's not. Uh-huh. And that's really important. And, and and it can be as simple as like choosing your wording, like I don't have to go to the gym. I get to go to the gym. I don't have to stick to these calories. I'm choosing to because it aligns with my goals at the moment. That's a huge mindset shift. And I think that's something that we've seen, especially this round of the EC method, like so much of the feedback. And it's interesting that, like I've noticed this, that we used to get so many transformation photos, like people posting in the group, like, look at my amazing results, like, which is incredible. And we love seeing them. But now we get so much more about like, the mindset side yeah I see that too how people in the beginning it was very much like I've lost you know 10 kgs in eight weeks and I feel grander and then that's amazing with you know the photos which obviously show that and I'm not gonna lie it's really helpful for us you know when we come to promoting a new round because we live in a visual world with visual social media and you need to visually capture your audience and show them actually really show them what you can do so it's helpful definitely and we are super proud of our clients because we know what went into that when we're looking at more than just a physical result and we know what we're looking at because it's what we do for a living but I would absolutely say that now it's almost like kind of like a side point. Yeah, I've lost 10 kgs in eight weeks, but listen to all this other stuff I did. I went on holiday for 10 days and still managed to lose that. I went out for my best friend's birthday party, my anniversary, my daughter's third birthday, all these celebrations and I didn't track and I enjoyed it. And then I got right back on it. Like all these kind of huge wins, mental and social and behavioral wins. And again, like we say, that is really like what we aim to do with our clients because as we say that is the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow and you know when Emma said what's the point in doing it if you're going to be miserable and again I don't want people to be like well it can't always be fun when you have to turn down you know your favorite I don't know indulgent food three times in one day and it's like what sometimes is enjoyable is actually having kind of a little bit of I guess I guess a little bit more self-control. There's something quite enjoyable and ironically very liberating about that and certainly rewarding about it. And you don't have to do it all day, every day for the rest of your life. But there are times just like when you indulge, when you have to say no to indulging. And when you start to strike that balance and take control of both, both the indulging and, and saying no to it, when you manage to take control of both and own your actions on both sides of the coin, the strength and the freedom that you get from that is liberating and wonderful and something to be celebrated. Yeah, and hugely empowering. And I, I think, like, we're not going to bullshit anyone here. Like, it does take hard work. It's not always easy. But 
I don't think that you can achieve anything. Like there's no true achievement without some level of hard work, without some level of effort, no matter what it is. Like I was using an example of this the other day. If I do Sober October, I don't normally drink. So there's literally no achievement there for me whatsoever. It's just whereas, a regular October. Whereas if Chloe does Sober October, <laughs> that's a huge achievement for her. No, I'm joking. Huge. I can go months at a time without drinking and it's fine. But generally speaking, in my kind of quote unquote normal, kind of happy, healthy, balanced life, I will probably have at least two to three glasses of wine a week. And that's yeah, just so more. That, I mean, that's an achievement to cut out, right? So my point huge, is yeah. the same actions for some people are an achievement and other for other people they aren't. And I think that's really important. I actually think achieving something or working towards something is so important to your life and to having purpose. And I don't think you can truly be happy in life without having some kind of purpose with some kind of achievement. And I think shying away from that, it, like we're not saying it's going to be easy, but we're saying it's going to be worth it, basically. Yeah, what, is that, what else in life is, do you win, do you gain, do you succeed at without at some point having to kind of muck in a little bit? Nothing. Yeah, and it will feel better because you have worked a little bit hard. And you can be proud of yourself. And I think that translates so much to self-confidence in other areas of your life. And something we were talking about the other day, I think over voice note, that I was like, oh, that you've just clicked. Like, that's exactly it. I think a lot of people come into dieting now and because there is this big push for mindset, there is this kind of, I guess, like the edges of the anti-diet world, et cetera, et cetera, where people think, right, if I go for mindset, that's great. And I see the benefits, but I also want fat loss as if there's some kind of like false dichotomy. Yeah, And yeah. I think that's where we nicely sit in the middle. It's like, yeah. no, you don't have to choose. Like you can have both. And if you approach dieting in the right way, it's actually really empowering. And it, it is actually relatively enjoyable. That's not to say you'll enjoy every single aspect of everything. You won't enjoy that in anything in life. But it is a really empowering thing if you do it in the right way. And I think that dieting gets such a bad press mm. from sort of like anti-diet campaigns. But it's like, yeah, shit dieting, shit. Like... Telling people to go on seven-day detoxes or awful coaches that are trying to force you onto 1,200 calories. I can't that, believe that still happens as much as it happens. I, like, am shocked at how many people have told me recently that they've had online coaches do that to them. And I'm like, who the fuck are these people? But then part of me is also like, but you also follow Chloe, so why didn't you just work with her? But I guess it's, again, it's the draw of that quick fix. They're like, oh, but I can have my results quicker. It's like, yeah, but then you're going to lose them again. And let's look at your dieting history here. You have yeah. gone on yo-yo diets. And that's, we get a lot of people on the EC method that have done that for years. And and when you get people to reflect and you're just like, okay, you could try that again, but realistically it hasn't worked for the last 30 years. Let's do it right. And then we only need to do it once. 100%. And I think, yeah, that Emma and I, Emma and I tried a very unsexy ground on social media. I think social media is, very easy for the lazy thinker and you know I guess in a way the the coveter and I think Emma and I have like here's the honest truth about it here's what we kind of want you to do and it's very nuanced it's very watercolor and it takes hard work not just in terms of like your behaviors and your physical actions like you know training hard in the gym even though we don't want you training seven days a week by any means actually we definitely don't but whether it's your physical actions training hard in the gym behavioral actions like like I say saying no to the second slice of cake while you say yes to the first and I think initially even that is incredibly hard for people the mental work takes time and I think that that's quite a surprise for some of our clients is that they we don't just say something or they see a meme or a great video on you know Instagram or TikTok talking about self-love and their fits 
you have to work at it and it's so worth it it's so rewarding I think you're right like balance is the hardest thing like oh, actually yeah. saying no to a piece of cake isn't really that hard saying yes to the whole cake isn't hard but stopping at one is really hard and I think that's often a clicking point for our clients is they're like oh my god I didn't realize that actually balance is all I need for results it isn't either end of the extreme but equally I think people don't realize how hard balance is I mean anyone who's listened to my podcast from the beginning all the way up till now well I think probably vividly remember when I went through it myself because I talked about it and had people on like Haley and it it was it was a, it was an event and it was filled with you know hard work self questioning self loathing at times like it was tough and I got there and I'm re- I'm one of the lucky ones I've never had you know I've never really struggled with an eating disorder or body dysmorphia but man alive did I go through the ringer and I can't even imagine what it would be like for someone who's a little bit more in the the midst of that the the negative things I've. I've mentioned it's hard work, but it's hard work that you need to do now because Emma's right. What's the point of being miserable? We only get one life. You only get one body. Like, let's figure it out. Let's figure it out now. Do the work now because in 10 years' time, we have so many clients who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And they're like, I, I mean, so many of them, I wish I'd done this 30 years ago. I wish I'd found you 20 years ago. And it's like, okay, so guys, let's, let's do it now. Let's learn from this wisdom. Yeah, it's never too late to start and I think so many people spend such a a huge amount of their like brain energy worrying about food worrying about calories and it's so freeing when you get there and like I'm similar to Chloe like we both probably quite naturally have like all or nothing mentalities oh god but it's it's about calling yourself out on when that's no longer helpful and in some areas of life it is quite helpful like I would say for business life like that's probably an attribute I have that I use very well but in other areas of life it's extremely unhelpful like, for example, with dieting, with like trying to be perfect around things. And you've, you've got to realize that I think one of the biggest mental blocks for me, like moving away from like a more perfectionist mindset was yes. the story that I told myself that if I didn't need to be perfect, that I would be lazy. I think that that was like the hardest thing for me to get over. So it's like, oh, well, you know, if I, if I allow myself this or if I don't quite hit my targets here, then what's going to happen is I just get mediocre results and I'm just lazy. And the truth is that isn't what happens. If anything, you work harder and, but you're just, you're a little bit nicer to yourself. You know, it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to get done. And so many people put up, well, I can't be perfect. So there's no point doing anything. Like most people when they're like, Oh, Oh, they're tracking calories. And they're like, I don't know what's in my calories because I'm going out for a Christmas meal. So I'll just not bother at all that's the kind of perfectionist mindset that you need to work your way out of yeah and it's also it's really subjective as well like we have clients who will come to us and we'll be like no you're on enough calories that you can track this and you can do it and if you want we don't like doing this we don't like hand holding it doesn't help the client i and i know that a lot of clients are like just tell me how many calories you think are in this meal it's like ugh. But for those clients, the ones who are like, I'm just going to take the day off dieting, tracking, whatever, there are genuinely some clients who are like, no, this is part of the problem. This is part of your cycle that we're, where we're not getting anywhere. You can do it. And we will, I will handhold. I'll admit it. I'll come in and be like, this is how many it's going to be. Pre-track it. Go and enjoy it. As soon as you're done, you get right back on it. And there are some clients where we're like, no, no, you, if anything, need to take the day away from tracking relax and enjoy it and there are some clients who have a middle ground like you know what you don't need to track don't worry about it 
make really smart decisions. So instead of having two chipolatas with your turkey dinner, have one. Instead of having a selection plate of Christmas pudding, puddings, plural, have a pudding. You know, and and we really try, it's it's very subjective. And I think this is where coaching can really, really help. There are probably a lot of people like, well, this all sounds very well and good, but how the fuck am I going to get there? This is what coaches, well, hopefully good coaches are there to help you do. Figure out how to strike this healthy, fit, active, strong, nutritionally healthy lifestyle. The sub response of that will be the body that you've been trying to get for so long that's been eluding you. You're totally right. And I think some people at certain stages need a little bit of handholding. It's not even handholding. It's like guidance and structure. And I think that's one place that some trainers maybe go wrong because they've heard that things like meal plans are bad now we don't use meal plans but we might give examples of meal plans that people can amend to their own preferences it's about meeting someone where they are and getting to them to a point where eventually we kind of want you at a point where you aren't on or off a diet like the true flexible dieting probably isn't about being on something or off something it's just living in line with like you know choosing actions that are in line with your values Hi guys, just a quick one. Adverts on the podcast are automated and we have no idea what may or may not play out, much like whatever pops up when you're browsing on the internet. This is an unsponsored podcast, but if I am ever plugging a product, you will know about it. Anyone who's interested, who's listening so far, you can sign up. We are open now for our January 3rd intake at uh, the ecmethod.co.uk. We're fully open. And I guess now let's get to some of the graduate kind of questions and comments. Gemma Cottrell said, question for newbies. Just one that I've seen come up in the group a fair few times by this point. And I also remember struggling with this myself. Advice on first time gym goers. If there are new people coming on board who really want to join a gym and do understand the benefits of it, but they're worried about what to do when they get there. Just some general tips and advice on getting yourself in there in the first place and then the confidence to start lifting. The first thing I would say is joining a gym, I think a lot of people find it a lot easier to work out in a gym space um, than they do at home. And I know that it might be intimidating at first, but the first thing we'll say is nobody's in the gym to look at other people in the gym. Absolutely nobody. I mean, sometimes you get like one random old person but generally speaking nobody in the gym is there to watch what other people are doing they're there to and that's out. Chloe yeah I I mean I can't lie I'm always messaging Emma like there's this really hot guy in my gym but I think he's like 18 and I'm married anyway, so and nobody's there to look at you so when you go in there everyone's there to do what you're doing to do what your intention is which is to get the fuck on with it and train and you know whether it's get strong it could be a performance goal nobody not everyone's in there to look a certain way believe it or not there's more to life you know get strong get fit get active recovery rehab or yeah if they have a physique goal everyone's there for their own purpose right it's a selfish purpose you go in there I would say have a coffee if you drink caffeine if you like caffeine have a strong cup of coffee so you've got some oomph get in there put your music on listen to your absolute favorite songs and If you don't know where to start in terms of the technique of lifting, the machines are a great place to start. They have kind of demos like printed on the side of every single machine in the gym. It's very easy, let's say with a shoulder press, for example, to A, start to learn the controlled movement, both in the eccentric and concentric load. You can also start to learn uh, the kind of tempo that we want you to lift with. You can start to learn what it feels like, that stimulus on the muscle. The control, one really good thing about machines 
and cables, although that's something a little bit different. But one really good thing about them is that you really learn what it should feel like, I say, both in the eccentric and concentric loading of the lift. And then I would say if you want to start doing kind of free weights and you want to do like the Olympic bar squats and you want to start learning how to deadlift and you want to start learning how to bench press and all those kind of really big compound movements, get a PT just for a few sessions. It doesn't have to be a lot and get them to teach you form because I promise you, as soon as you know the form of the lift and it might take you one session to get it, it might take you five. It it totally depends on your kind of your physicality, which is largely genetic. But once you understand how to lift, it's great fun and you love doing it. It's like learning a dance routine. It's amazing. And, uh, And you will start with the right tools in terms of not getting injured and stimulating the muscle properly. Um, so those are all my tips. Emma, what are your tips on, on people who are a bit nervous to join a gym but want to get in there? I would say go now. There's literally no one in the gym at the moment. Like I went in at peak time the other day and there was like five people in the whole gym. So go in now and, and get comfortable in there when there isn't many people in there. Also, reduce the barrier to entry. Like if you're worried about going to the gym, just go in and walk around and then leave again. Or go in and go on like two pieces of equipment that you know you know how to use. Or just go in and use a treadmill. Like just get comfortable with the environment. You don't have to go in first time and be absolutely perfect. Yeah. And then the other amazing thing about being new to the gym is if you're new to the gym, you've never resistance trained before, you can literally go in, look at three different machines and just be like, I'm just going to choose them and you will start to get results. Like Mm -hmm. you can do almost anything and get results when you're new, Uh like, because you're so sensitive to that stimulus. So you certainly don't need to be perfect. And I think ironically, it's one of the things that people who are new to the gym worry about is like, I don't know exactly what to do. And I'm like, like, you can literally do anything and you will start getting results. It's only when you start to get a little bit more experience that you need to get a little bit, I guess, like more sensible with what you're choosing and, and have a little bit more structure there. Obviously, ideally, I mean, if you're on the easy method, you would have our programming to follow. Yeah. But if you're just nervous about going to the gym, just get in there, do something and know that that's benefiting you. And in terms of other people like looking at you or watching you, there's this huge mutual respect for people that go to the gym. Yeah. And you'll notice that because if you see one of them like in Tesco or whatever, you always get like a nod like, oh, like, I see you at the gym. Like you kind of, oh, you're a gym person. I would say that's even more true if you're quite obviously new to the gym or maybe you've got a lot of body fat to lose. Like when I see someone who's new at the gym or is quite overweight, I have so much more respect for them Oh yeah. compared to the person I see at the gym every day that's absolutely shredded and is a personal trainer and knows what they're doing. Like it is not impressive for me to go to the gym. What is impressive is for someone who is really nervous about going, who hasn't been before, who's trying something new, that's impressive. It sounds patronizing when we say it, but it's like, we remember when we first started. Please don't think that we ever just walked into a gym like, I know what I'm doing. Please, oh my God. Like, And you re- you revert that and you project it back and you think, I remember that, fucking good on you. Yeah, and I mean, everyone that you're looking at at the gym, you're like, oh, they, they'd obviously know what they're doing. They all started where you are. Yeah. Everyone starts. Like, yeah. So I guess just remember that and you have to start to get confident. I agree with Chloe. Like if you're really nervous about going to the gym just go and speak to a personal trainer and say even if you can't afford long-term personal training just say can I have one session where you just introduce me to the gym a little bit most yeah. gyms will do inductions for free go and get your induction or go and book like one session with a personal trainer and just tell them you know I'm not looking for long-term personal training but I am looking to get more comfortable in the gym could you show me around 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And don't forget, guys, as Emma said, if you're strapped for cash, A, don't be, like, nervous or embarrassed to say to a PT, like, I'm a little bit strapped for cash. I can only really afford one session. I want the big compound lifts, the dangerous ones. I want you to show me how to do them properly. They can do that in one session. 100%, like, 20 minutes a lift or 10 minutes a lift done. And also, PTs, like, in gyms, it's awful how much the gyms rinse them of their money. So they're not going to be any stranger to you being like, look, I can only afford X amount of sessions. Can you help me? They're, as Emma said, they love their job. They're gagging at the chance. And also don't forget there's gym instructors as well who aren't fully qualified yet to be your personal trainer, but whose literal job it is on the gym floor is to show you what to do with the weights. Um, and again, they're trying to build that rapport, that personal part of the personal training while they're getting their qualifications elsewhere. And they want that. They need that experience because there's the practical when you get your level three, where you literally have to walk a complete stranger around the gym and train them. They need the experience. So don't be scared. I started as a gym instructor and I was buzzing when someone was like, hi, I'm new. I don't know what I'm doing. I was like, oh, great. Here that, we go. That means yeah. I can spend a whole hour like walking around the gym with you instead of cleaning the treadmills. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, then picking up weights. There are some amazing, I mean, honestly, in my gym, there's this one girl. I'm completely obsessed with her. Like she's her body is fantastic. And the way she trains her clients, when I you know, sometimes you watch PTs with their clients, and I'm like, please correct the form. She's fantastic. There are some unbelievable PTs in gym spaces these days. And I think actually Instagram, while it's contributed largely to the underqualified and, you know, the 1200 calorie PTs that are out there kind of getting clients, I also think actually it's really educated a lot of people who are already passionate and qualified and knowledgeable in fitness in terms of kind of what what to do now and like what the science is showing and it's actually I've seen in recent years the quality of PTs in gym spaces just get better and better and better without a doubt yeah and I think once some people do that everyone else has to level up right exactly once you get one PT who's obviously better than everyone yeah all the others are like fuck I better up my game it's so true okay right let's move on to the next one S.B. Fletcher. I'm not, even though I know some of these clients' names, I'm not going to say them because if they're on Facebook with specific names, yeah, yeah. I kind of want to be anonymous. Yeah, okay. S.B. Fletcher has come in with something she's learned, which I thought Emma and I could talk about. Hi, one thing that I've learned from the EC method is that I used to put so much pressure on myself to get in six workouts every week. And if I didn't, I thought I'd failed. And what was the point? After joining the EC method, I actually trained less per week but with much better results. Three workouts per week is enough if you are able to commit to more. This has been a revelation to me. So yeah, Emma and I frequently talk about, there is such a thing as diminishing returns, guys. There is, if, if you have a physique goal in particular, actually screw it, and a performance goal, any goal you can think of, you need that recovery time or your physique and your performance, your strength, your fitness, it's all going to start to suffer. But Emma, do you want to talk a little about, about like the minimum effective dose specifically in terms of, of workouts per week, training frequency? Yeah, I think people are amazed when they realise what incredible results they can get from actually very little exercise. And one of the biggest barriers to exercise is time. That's the reason that most people will give as a reason as to why they don't exercise. And when you look at the research around like HIIT training or like short bouts of training and the benefit to your health, it's incredible. Like you need to do very little exercise to get a huge benefit to your health. And actually there's this amazing graph, which obviously on a podcast isn't great, but it kind of shows the, the huge benefit that you get in terms of reduced uh, risk of death from the first one hour of exercise that you do a week. 
So even if you split that up, you you go like, okay, I'm going to do three 20 minute home workouts a week. That is incredible to your health. Like there is every reason doing that to do that. And it's funny that like this client's like, oh, you know, I used to think if I couldn't go six days, there's no point going at all. It's like, there's absolutely every point in going once a week, three times a week is great. But like, even once a week, like whatever you can do, there's absolutely a point doing that. Like this is a situation where something is always better than doing nothing. And even if you can't get your full workout in, like what I love about our clients, is they've really like engaged with the principle of like imperfect action of like, okay, well, I, I don't have an hour's gym session, but I've got half an hour and I can do something or I can't get to the gym, but do you know what? Chloe's done some home workouts. I'm just going to do them today. Like they'll do something. They'll do what they can do. And I think that that, that mindset shift in itself is why people get such great results but when when we talk about training and like the law of diminishing returns like that's really come from more like a base of productivity and and it's true for every area of your life a good sort of example of this is like your work output like you'll find like say you sit down to I don't know like for Chloe like write a book you probably get about 40 minutes of really good writing in and then your productivity slows, like the quality and the quantity of your words reduces massively. <laughs> I'm like, what does I've, this even mean? <laughs> yeah, like, and, and I started being like, I need to implement this in every area of my life. So there will be a law of diminishing returns in any action that you do. So whether that's work and you're like, oh, I started this really productive for the first 40 minutes. But now that I notice that my work output is getting lower and lower and lower, I'm going to stop. And the same is true with your gym workout, like probably the first like 20 to 30 minutes is giving you the biggest bang for your buck. And after that, sure, like, I'm not saying more doesn't do anything, but you're not getting as big a benefit as you did from that first 20 to 30 minutes. And I think knowing that means that you're always likely to go and do what you can do, even if you can't do a full hour. Yeah, amazing points raised by Emma. Um, Doing a little is a lot better than doing nothing. And in, in a lot of cases as well, doing a little can be better than doing a lot. So yeah, amazing comment, amazing points. Let's move on to Joanne Ray, who did all three, which not everybody did. So I was impressed by those that did. Something that she's learned is the importance, oh, just what Emma was saying, the importance of imperfect action and also trusting the process. I know it sounds so simple, even cliche, but it's so bloody important when it comes to achieving your long-term goals. And that's exactly what we're saying, guys. Having, and <laughs> Emma has made this a lot more succinct in terms of her her phrasing or terminology of imperfect action. Um, <laughs> my terminology <laughs> and phrasing is, big picture consistency instead of acute perfection and and this they mean exactly the same thing what we mean is like fair enough if you can't get to the gym all three times make sure that the two days that you can go you go and you train hard you know fair enough if you have an anniversary that week and you you're going for a surprise you know tasting menu and you don't want to track fine but the other six days of the week be on it you know fair enough if you didn't hit your steps for a few days in a row but if you find that you have half an hour spare on you know day four go for a long walk like this is imperfect action this is long-term consistency this is not perfection this is not day-to-day perfection um so she summed that up now she has a question for the newbies the explanation slash answer to why fat loss is not the same as weight loss I think this is really important for newbies. 
So, you know, your weight, your weight is in what you're weighing in day to day, week to week, um, is reflective of so many things. It's reflective of your, your liquid intake or lack thereof. It's reflective of your alcohol intake or lack thereof. Your food intake, specific foods, including fiber, carbohydrates, sodium rich foods, which also even touches on things like seasoning. Stress, mental stress, physical stress, training in the gym, your menstrual cycle, your weight is taking all of these things into account. Now, when we talk about fat loss, this is very specifically adipose tissue, which is about excess fat loss. So we won't go into you know the rest of it, but excess fat. This is your adipose tissue, and, and quite simply, if you don't, if you're in a negative energy balance and you are not feeding your body enough calories to maintain its current state, is in your expenditure, which is everything from your BMR to your NEAT, your exercise activity. It is inevitable. How she's talked about trusting the process here, it's inevitable. It's a scientific equation, and it's it's undeniable. You are going to find yourself losing body fat but that might not be reflected on the scales for all the reasons that I've just said and understanding that these two things are not the same thing is definitely one of the biggest hurdles we have in the beginning and the end I can't even lie with clients and the scales Emma you always make some fucking great points on this on your Instagram do you want to talk about the differences between fat loss and weight loss yeah I mean I think you've nailed it but I think it is something that even when you know you need that constant reassurance or it's said in slightly different ways or just a reminder. I think we get this a lot with clients like mm. they really just want a bit of reassurance. Yeah, that's fine. We're not worried that you haven't lost weight this week. That That's all they need a lot of the time. The other good point that she noted was that it's so important to trust the process. Mm. And I think understanding the scale weight is fundamental to that but in like in another context like anything that you can't see direct results from it's it is hard to trust the process for example like you can't see the results from the gym session that you went to the next day like you have to trust that these are doing the right things and and when you understand that when you understand that if you are in an energy deficit if you are expending more energy than you take in that has to come from somewhere and that will come from your energy stores and that will be body fat mm. and when you kind of know that and when you understand that, yeah, the scales can fluctuate and they don't always measure just my body composition. And by the way, the amount of fat that you lose in a week is so small that it's not sensitive. Like the scales aren't sensitive enough to measure that anyway. Yeah. So what we're always looking for is trends over time and averages over time. And I think when she was talking about perfect imperfect action, that's averages over time as well. This is another way of putting averages over time. And so many people worry about the one meal out or the Christmas day or the wedding that they're going to, when actually what you should be worried about or what you should be thinking about is the average of your actions over time. Like, what are my actions over time? Because that's what's going to impact my body composition, not the one day that I ate an extra bit of ice cream or the Christmas day that I overate on calories. Yeah. It's actually the rest of the year. It's actually what you're doing on average for a long period of time that's going to compound and that's what's going to give you results. Here, here. What a nice way to tie in everything that she's been talking about. I completely, I love that answer. Um, and then her last one, question that she has as a grad. How do I make the mental shift from routinely tracking to tracking less often as I get closer to reaching my goals? Okay, Joanne, so for the time being, and with with regard to Christmas specifically and putting everything in context with that, go and listen to my festive season podcast. I, I'm just going to park the festivity stuff, otherwise the answer is going to be long-winded and messy. In terms of getting closer to reaching your goals, I wouldn't start to make the shift now. 
I would start to make the shift once you've got your goals. And then what we would do is we, we would give you options in terms of having untracked meals, in terms of raising your calories, really, really focusing on the weekly average. And we would basically start to bleed in a little bit more, quote unquote, balance, quote unquote, normality, quote unquote, freedom, maybe not doing it. Now, the other way of looking at that is like, actually, it's probably the perfect time because what it can do is we can maybe start to include untracked meals or and then eventually untracked days, et cetera, et cetera, while you still have your goal. So actually, you might find that doing it now, you have some more control and you have some more focus, which is going to be a really nice segue into reaching your goal, coming out of fat loss and not being so kind of head fucked with, oh my God, now I'm going to lose all my results if I bleed into some untracked things. So there's two ways of looking at it. And again, we talk about the client, we talk about subjectivity kind of depends on you, your goals, your behaviors. In terms of coming away from tracking, we all know whether you are dieting, you know, quote, unquote dieting or not dieting, we all know that we typically like the same foods. Even if we're out at a restaurant and we're not dieting, we're probably gonna order the same foods. At home, we're probably gonna cook the same 10 meals, right, if we cook um, or our partner cooks. And the same goes for dieting. You find the foods in the meals that you like, which we strongly urge everybody to do, and you stick with it. Now, that should serve you really, really well as you come away from tracking. You kind of will know from your tracking what meals you like, what kind of calories, what kind of uh, macros they're coming out to. And you can start to have meals away. I suggest like end of the day stuff. So you know you've been on track in the day. And then for dinner, you can come away from tracking. And then eventually, you know, let's say that you have a day out, we would encourage you to do the smart choices thing. Maybe come away from tracking, make really smart choices that day and then come back to it. And we will bleed you into it. It's, it's kind of a process. Those would be my thoughts. Emma, what are your thoughts? And actually, I think Emma, especially because of the work you do with Amelia, it's, it's very apt to answering this coming away from routinely tracking to tracking less often but then she puts at the end as she gets closer to reaching her goals I want to know your thoughts on that bit too so I think tracking moving away from tracking can be built up as this huge thing so the first thing I would say is if it's not for you and you can literally just delete my fitness pal then just do that like yeah as Chloe said like the foods have the same calories whether you're putting them in my fitness pal or not and now if you've been tracking for the last eight weeks you kind of know what's in food anyway. You kind yeah. of know roughly, I bet at the end of the day, even if you haven't tracked it and I was like, roughly how many calories have you eaten today? You'd be like, oh yeah, roughly this amount. And you don't, it, it's not an exact science. And I think realizing all of the inaccuracies that come into tracking, not only from like a user error, but also a lot of the data on MyFitnessPal is not right. A lot of yeah. the data on food packaging is not right. It's allowed to be up to 20% wrong. So it's not as accurate as what you think. So when people are stressed about 50 calories here and there, we always try and remind them of that, that, you know, the real benefits of tracking are actually accountability. It's actually to give you some data to go off. Because even if it's inaccurate, it's probably consistently inaccurate if you're eating the same things. And then we know that, okay, if you're tracking 1800 calories, whether that's accurate or not, whether you're actually consuming 1800 calories or not, we have a starting point from which to adapt from. So if you're not losing weight there, okay, maybe we need to reduce those calories. So I think that like releases quite a lot of the fear around that. And then reminding yourself as well, people lost weight before MyFitnessPal. It's not the only way to lose weight. Like you don't need to track everything. It's just one of many tools. And it it is an eye-opening tool and it does make you realize things like portion sizes, like how things can add up. Like being in some ways, initially I think tracking makes you more mindful about eating and then sometimes it flips back and makes you less mindful and what I mean by that is more mindful about eating because 
if you don't pay any attention to your diet, you often just eat things throughout the day that you don't even remember and you kind of pick up things here and there and there's like a bite of this and you're not really thinking, what's in this food? Is it beneficial to me? Do I want to choose to eat it? That like tracking helps that, just monitoring your food intake in any way helps that because it gives you a little bit of a pause between, oh, I want that and actually considering, is it beneficial to my goals at the moment? It's kind of like a stop gap. Mm. and then the accountability that that gives you as well that's the real benefit of tracking now when it can flip back and make you less mindful is when you start to eat in accordance to your calorie needs as opposed to in accordance to your hunger cues or Mm. like how you're feeling or or what energy levels you think that you have etc etc so when when we get people to the end of their diet or when they want to move away from tracking it's more about being quite mindful about what you're eating listening to your hunger cues there is problems with that as well, like purely listening to your hunger cues, especially in certain situations, probably isn't the best method. So for example, we know that hunger is dysregulated in very overweight people. And we know that some foods aren't as satiating as other foods. So just purely sticking to hunger, like if I was just thinking about hunger, I could eat a lot of donuts. But it's unlikely that I'm going to eat a lot of white potato if I'm just eating to hunger. Like the the food choices that you make impact your hunger as well but even that consideration so we would think about those things and depending on where your mindset is like I said some people can just delete the app and they're like oh great like I eat roughly the same things I've learned so much from tracking that I know roughly what my calorie balance is if I end up putting on weight I'll cut things back a little bit if I end up losing weight I'll increase a couple of things like some people can do that so I think it's it's important not to just like project or pathologize what you think might be happening if people are worried about removing tracking but for some people it might be a bit harder and some of what Chloe said is perfect it's like okay so maybe we have maybe you don't track during well maybe you track during the day maybe you track a certain amount of calories during the day and then at night you're like okay well normally at night you have your meal with your family gauge about 600 calories for that meal cool so now you're slightly moving away from tracking and then maybe we stop tracking as much during the week but we still track the weekends roughly because those are the times when you're more likely to eat out and there's more likely to be more variety whereas during the week you've got quite good routine going on around food don't be scared because we'll be here to help you but also there there are many ways to do this and yeah I, I think the biggest thing for me is the realization that it's a massively inaccurate process anyway and that whether you track, whether you put it in my fitness pal or not, your body responds the same way. Like an apple is an apple, whether you've tracked it or whether you've not tracked it. Yeah, your body is the best tracker ever. Yeah, that, um, that quote, your body is the best food diary you'll ever keep. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And just, you know, what, just touching on what Emma said about intuitive eating, that is really, that's the end of a very long process for someone who's already in a good position to start doing that in terms of their food knowledge and their understanding of hunger cues. And I just think I've had a lot of clients who've really been swept up in the self-love intuitive eating movement and have ended up quite ironically on, you know, (laughs) on the basement floor of self-love, like what the fuck, like how have I messed this up? I don't understand. And actually feeding into that negative relationship with food in their body. And it goes beyond, you know, Emma talks about hunger dysregulation and, and she's talking, I think, although I'm pretty sure she's talking, you know, about kind of leptin signaling and 
it doesn't just apply to people who are carrying an excessive amount of body fat. It also applies to people who maybe know a hell of a lot about food, nutrition, who are on the very lean side of things. But then also if you're talking about just more in like a, a quote unquote normal person's day-to-day life, things like not having a good enough night's sleep, your menstrual cycle, if you're doing excessive amounts of cardio because they're running a marathon, there's so many things you have to be aware of. And again, this is where coaching can come in really handy because we're objective and you're not. Like human beings just by nature, not just hunger, but you know, we act on impulse a lot of the time. And and we think that because one, you know, <laughs> say if I'm on my period and James breathes annoyingly, I think he, I'm in the right by yelling at him, but I'm not. And this is why, you know, this is why sometimes you need coaches or therapists or whatever to give you an objective point of view and be like, whoa, okay. And I think it's really, really helpful. And if intuitive eating is something that you desperately want to get to, but you're not quite there yet, that's another reason to reach out to a professional and be like, yo, can you help me? Amazing. Yeah. And, and a point about intuitive eating as well, like intuitive eating is a like a protocol Mm. like it and annoyingly and I think this is where a lot of people get confused and I was confused at the start as well intuitive eating is not simply eating intuitively (laughs) it's like a whole protocol with different rules that go within or different um principles to intuitive eating Mm. and the second point to make is it is a weight neutral approach which means if your goal is fat loss no it's not the right approach for you so if you're thinking oh you know maybe I just need to get more in tune with my hunger signals yeah maybe you do because a lot of people don't even question like why am I eating this is it because I'm bored is it because I'm hungry is it because I'm emotional like questioning that is really important but yeah like if fat loss is your goal then definitely be more mindful around eating but intuitive eating as a protocol like isn't isn't designed for fat loss and I think sometimes that message is, is a little bit missed and and Definitely. I've seen personal trainers kind of like, <laughs> I think I saw on one personal trainer's bio something like macro-based intuitive eating. And I was like, that's a moron. Like, that doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Like, I'm going to tell you how many calories to eat, but then just eat intuitively. Like, it, no, 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 no. That's, no. that's the most amazing thing I've ever heard. I love that. Macro-based intuitive. Oh, anyway. Okay. There you go. Let's do the last question we've only... <laughs> And he got through four. We had loads. So, and everybody who's found this interesting, whether you're a client or not, whether you're thinking of becoming a client or not, well, first of all, if you're interested, listen to the Easy Method podcast. You'll get a very good idea of what our clients are like, what we're like. Super professional. Yeah, I feel like we've been very professional on this. Every time I come on the podcast, I'm like, <laughs> professional. Yeah. That was, I run a tight ship, lol. But no, you get, have a listen and you'll get a really good idea of how unprofessional we are how like generally speaking we'll come away from answering client questions to have a chat about 90s pop it's fab it's great yeah it's great Um, many many tangents many tangents but you know what? we will carry on with some we again we ain't going to get through all of them but some of these questions on the ec method podcast which we'll aim to get up before christmas so um go over and listen to that let's end on let's end on one of our kind of grads who's actually had an amazing round who has she had an amazing couple of rounds. She's done a lot of work, both on her physique and her mental approach. And I think, I don't want to speak out of turn here, but I think she has achieved a lot, both mentally and physically in the last few months. Can Cham. I knew just, it was going to be Can Cham. Yeah. And she's just bought a bread oven and she keeps sending me photos of all the bread she's baking. And I'm like, whoo, <laughs> send some of that my way. I think the other day, what was it? She did sourdough and focaccia. Oh. Yes, please. I know. Two things that she's learned. I've learned that it's actually fun being at maintenance with the least amount of work I've ever had to put in to stay at the physique I have now. 
I've got I wish people could see Kan Chan as well because just she is in incredible shape. She's in great shape and she's just a slamming hottie and she loves posting photos of herself in the best dresses. I mean, I don't know how her I mean her taste in clothes is fantastic. Um so um I've gained a newfound love for training with purpose again. The second thing I've learned is that if you can get results on 16 or 1800 calories rather than 1200 calories, why wouldn't you do it? This is a win-win physique life situation. Love that, Kanch. And then she says, her one question is a grad. This is a, <laughs> this is very easy. People listening are going to be like, what? <laughs> um, can I please add Chloe's AMRAP style barbell sessions more into my workout week as I normally do Emma's push-pull, but I absolutely love them both and want to put them both into my workout week? And the answer is yes. As long as you're training your body evenly, Kanch, we're happy. <laughs> Yeah, perfect. perfect. And I think that's it. That's actually a really nice place to end. So, guys, as I said, if you're interested and you're not quite sure yet, listen to the EC Method podcast or just, you know, have a look at our Instagram, shoot us a message. We're open until the second because that's when the welcome live is and we want everyone in by then. And we would love to have you. And I, I think we get a lot of questions a lot like, oh, you know, I'm in my 50s. Am I too old? No. I have any kind of hormonal hurdles, everything from people who are going through the menopause, people who have PCOS, people who have um, Hashimoto's. I mean, we literally have everything <laughs> hormonal. So don't worry. We we do know how to work with you in our capacity. But of course, there are other things you need to be looking into that, you know, your healthcare provider hopefully is providing for you. Feel free to reach out to us on Instagram because often all, all you need is like, yeah, you can. And they're like, oh, great. I just wanted to check. And it's often like, I've got an injury or yeah, I've got PCOS or I've struggled in the past. And it's just a little bit of reassurance that people are looking for. And we're always happy to offer that. So please feel free to reach out to us. Um, secondly, I would say that all you need is a can-do attitude. Like as cheesy as that is, like we will help you overcome whatever it is you're struggling with at the moment. But all we require from you is the willingness to try and the willingness to look for solutions and also to communicate with us. Like if you're struggling and you haven't said to us, then we can't possibly know. Like we're pretty good, but we're not mind readers. And I would say that's like our golden rule really is if you're struggling, reach out because that's why we're here and we want the best results for you. That's what we want for you. Preach. I completely agree. One, be coachable. And we don't mean do everything we tell you. We mean, as Emma said, like if, if the box isn't working for you, think outside the box and talk to us. Be honest. We'll, we'll work with you. We'll do everything we can having started this during lockdown we have many solutions like we've also had thousands of people do the ec method now so whatever you're struggling with i can guarantee we've already helped someone who's struggling with the same thing and we already have solutions for you so just talk to us that's all we ever ask yeah and i think as well like we have a lot of PTs and coaches on the EC method. And I think that, that, that you know, even if you know what you're doing, and Emma and I have had coaches in the past, post being qualified, post being active coaches, it's really nice to have some someone who's objective, to have someone, you know, to, to help map out the roadmap for you because you're too busy, too tired, too, you know, we know we know it's exhausting doing what we do for a living. We do it too. You know, it's it can be really, really helpful. 
just having a bit of objectivity. So, and we do, you know, we have so many grads. In fact, Emma, we there's a couple of surprises that have DM'd me who I don't know if you know, but they're coming back, which I'm excited. I'm I think excited I know. Yeah. And we are like such a family. We have such a great supportive group. Um, and I think women in particular really thrive in those environments. That's why Emma and I always talk about this. The reason why we think that kind of Weight Watchers and Slimming World have had the success they have, it's not necessarily because people lose weight on these plans. Certainly not because the education's, you know, second to none. But it's actually because it's a huge group of women cheering each other on who are going through things together, whether it's things that, you know, others can or can't relate to. Like having that group support is hugely helpful when it comes to achieving a goal or changing habits. So Yeah, I think especially when like maybe your friends and family aren't really into it or you feel like you're a little bit alone and it's such a supportive group and everyone mm-hmm. wants the best for everyone else. And that is the the joy of the group coaching side of things. And I think that's something that is really, I guess, like missing a little bit with one-to-one a lot of the time is that that really nice like group of people who all just genuinely want the best for each other and are buzzing with each other's like wins, whether that's your first push up or whether that's managing 50 in a row. Like we have every end of the spectrum and it's more about like coming back to what we spoke about at the start like it's the effort that you've put in to achieve whatever that is and if it's an achievement for you then we're all buzzing for you and I think one of the best things you get out of coaching is having someone that has your back a lot of the time you don't even need it but it's knowing that it's there and having the confidence that it's there just makes you feel ready to try and like changing is hard like stepping outside your comfort zone is hard and feeling supportive or supported even is so so important to making change yeah it, yeah it's so true and I don't I also think like people sometimes say group coaching and they've maybe had a negative experience with it in the past I know that we have a few people who took a minute to sign up because of that we have a zero douchebag policy so <laughs> we have no tolerance for it so um we are nothing but straight up love and support and you will be very very welcome in the EC method fam so guys the ecmethod.co.uk go over and listen to the EC Method podcast. We hope that you enjoyed this, both grads and newbies and people who are on the fence right now. And we will see you again over on the EC Method podcast before Christmas. Bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.